Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. Hello, Resolution listeners. Welcome to the first working week of 2021. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? (laughs) If you're in the UK like I am at the moment, we are facing a very new way of working. We just had a new national lockdown put in place. But I know for everybody listening all over the world, we are starting this year with all sorts of interesting restrictions on life, but also in the way that we do PR, in the way that we work it within our teams but also how we are communicating to our audiences and to the public wherever they may be two of the biggest challenges we are going to be facing in communications for this year is how we work especially in an agency running an agency and how we are working from home now and we can't work in offices together pretty sure that it's the same in the US and it's definitely the case in the UK right now and is looking like it's going to be that way that we need to work from home and not with each other for the next few months but also understanding how this is all affecting people in different countries and especially if we are doing PR on a European and global level understanding the audiences that we are dealing with so I wanted to speak to somebody who's got some experience in this and not just because of COVID, but has been working in this way for quite some time. So we can learn from their successes, learn from their challenges, so we can try and have a successful 2021 and learn on the move because that's what we're doing. We are pivoting every single day with what's going on. So this episode, I'm really really excited to share my conversation that I had with Brendan Craigie. He's the co-founder and managing director of Taito, which is a global PR agency and their approach is PR without borders. They don't have a head office. They have a big team, but those team members are located all over the world and all of their global communications is for clients who are all over the world. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with all of our listeners, no matter where you are. And I know that we've got listeners in multiple countries and I think this is gonna be really useful because these guys actually launched like this. Um, PR Without Borders was their approach and the reason for that was to be able to truly understand the audiences in, in all of their different countries and not just have sort of one head office, but also really get the specialisms of the consultants in all of the different countries. But rather than me try and explain, I want to hand over to Brendan now and he's going to share some of his insights, what works, what doesn't work, and also how they're going to be bringing a lot of their learnings into sort of a virtual space for their clients in 2021. Let's go. 
welcome to the PR Resolution podcast. We've had a little bit of a break, but I'm so happy to uh, welcome back, actually, Brendan, because this is our second chat that we've had. <laughs> well, welcome this time, Brendan, because we had a really good chat a few months ago. Um, and now, and that didn't actually go out, but this one, I'm very excited to go out because it feels like it's a much better time to be finding out about Taito and how you have been running your agency because with everything that's going on, so uh, whether people are listening to this as soon as it goes out or a little bit in the future, we are approaching Christmas 2020. We have had, had almost a year of lockdown living and it doesn't look like it's going to be changing anytime soon as we're entering into 2021 with news just coming up today of more enforced lockdowns uh, across the world. So with that in mind, I'm so keen to speak to Brendan because Brendan has been running Taito in a completely different, unique way to many other PR agencies. In fact, I don't know any other PR agency that is run in this way. And you have a an approach that's called PR Without Borders, Right. So rather than me trying to explain why that's so relevant right now, could you give us a little bit of background on on that approach and what it really means? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I kind of spent roughly 20 years working in sort of communications, predominantly focused on kind of um, technology, science and innovation. Um, and uh, prior to kind of creating Taito, I ran a um, pretty successful um, top 10 tech agency in, in the world and kind of helped build that up over the years. And kind of one of the areas that really jumped out at me was um, how I felt despite kind of like the very best efforts that um, communications consultants that worked within international agencies tend to work in quite siloed ways. You know, they're, you know, they're in the, the French team or the German team and the UK team. And it just kind of really struck me that the, the way that kind of businesses need to communicate today is in quite a borderless way. And, you know, particularly in the technology sector, companies kind of launch and, and go global very quickly. They kind of have ambitions from day one to go global. And I kind of felt that they needed a different kind of um, communications service. And that, that kind of then got me thinking about how I would structure Taito when we created it. And, and I was kind of very attracted to the idea of having this a borderless approach to communications. And, and I realized that part of the obstacle to kind of achieving that was a sense of people operating in silos across borders. And so um, go, where this kind of ties in with the PR Without Borders kind of operating model is that we, from day one, had the idea of building a multinational team that worked as one across borders. And so that's kind of where we're at today. We've got like a team of 30 people spanning um, five different countries uh, in Europe. And, um, you know, we have people obviously residing in different countries and who are experts on different markets. But we kind of work seamlessly together as one team across borders. We kind of um, and and that kind of creates kind of a very interesting and different environment. Uh, and it creates a very different and interesting service proposition for clients. Um, and obviously the where that kind of the kind of why that's kind of quite topical is that we work in this remote model. We call it location agnostic in that when we kind of when we set up, we said to people, we don't mind where you work. You know, if you want to work from home, if you want to work in an office, we'll set you up in a co-working space. 
But the main principle is that we kind of all work remotely. And what we've kind of discovered through that process is that um, when everyone works remotely, no one feels remote because um, you're all in the same boat. You all make kind of a, a huge effort or you're all very considered and very deliberate about how you communicate because you know that you need to be. Um, but uh, for me personally, we actually just kind of yesterday had our end of year team kind of staff meeting, if you like, and kind of every meeting that I have with my team is a kind of a, is kind of a meeting which kind of brings an element of wonder to me because I kind of look at, look at the screen and we've got people from five different countries, you know, working as one, communicating as, as kind of like, you know, operating as one team. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of really something quite marvelous actually. And, and it's actually only made possible because of our remote model this has given us I'm sure because of this time like you just said you haven't had your end of year staff meeting and it's going on for a lot of people people do it end of year reports but mainly people are looking at strategy not just for their clients but for their agency next year and a new strategy that they've probably never had to consider before and I feel like what you've just said will give a lot of hope to some people so yeah, I mean, I've got lots of questions around strategy for clients, operationally, how it works. But um, you, you, <laughs> you tell us why. Why did it give us you such, you know, that joy? Because yeah, well, I mean, I guess you know, I'd always kind of like when I, I kind of ran an international agency, and I kind of predominantly sat in one of two places, either London or New York. This is my previous life. And I kind of always felt like there was an A team and a B team. And that A team was the people sat, who sat in like the corporate headquarters, you know, or, you know, or like the, where the centers of power sat. And yet we had all of this incredible knowledge, experience and talent in kind of smaller offices or what might you might classify as, well, not the outside of the headquartered, you know, kind of markets. And and I kind of saw that as kind of a really missed opportunity. And given that our job is meant to kind of represent clients and kind of give them the best advice, I felt like all of the ideas were coming out of, you know, a very narrow, narrowly focused team. And then we're kind of expecting people in other markets to execute. And so I realized that I wanted to tap into that and I wanted to kind of create a different kind of environment where ideas flowed much more um seamlessly across borders you know and so kind of like that that's that's where we came up with this PR without borders kind of model and I think what's been an interesting thing for me looking at the past year is that there's been a lot of discussion about remote working there's been a lot of discussion about um like how you make it work like it's kind of like quite functional you know how you can how you work how you communicate and all of that stuff's really important but I think what's kind of interesting is think is when you start thinking about what new possibilities it opens up for different type of business models and different type of approaches. And that's that's kind of really what we've done with Taito. That's kind of like the philosophy that we did. It wasn't about saving. I know there's lots of people who are now getting rid of offices, but you know, for us, it wasn't about getting rid of the office. It wasn't about saving money, kind of like it, it was about being able to tap into talent regardless of location. That was what that was true. But really, it was about building an entirely different kind of model, you know. So I kind of, I think the opportunity for people in the PR industry is not to kind of think of it as some kind of like 
remedial challenge that they need to figure out or work around, but actually thinking about what possibilities it might open up, what entirely different ways of working and and kind of business models it might Mm. open up. I think that when we first uh, met a few months ago and we we had our first conversation, it was, I, I was finding your model so interesting because I was really focusing on how we can truly relate to the public and some of the regular listeners will know that it's been something that I've been exploring um, with Stephen Waddington and a few other people just about like how even though it's in the industry title of public relations like how much do we really really relate to the the people that we are truly trying to connect with and I think this year more than ever we've had to really understand how local audiences global audiences are feeling to really try and understand yeah what they're going for and how to best communicate but that's something that you just mentioned there about you you can set up your your best communication strategy Mm. in the location or in the country or with the with the right team members that's right for that objective and right for that client and based on that do you find that you naturally do have an hq out of the five countries that you have no not not at all No. no i mean gosh you know I mean, I think we live in very interesting times. I think what we've kind of seen, obviously, around Brexit is we've got we've seen kind of that that London is very disconnected to the rest of the UK, you know. And yet, ironically, kind of I did what I want just for fun because I'm kind of uh, like like this doing this kind of thing. I just looked at the top PR agencies in the UK and they all kind of are predominantly based out of one or two square kilometers in London. You know, like so you can kind of draw a circle around them. You know, that's where the majority of the PR industry is located and they are kind of probably leading the most significant communications programs in the UK. And then actually a lot of those a lot of those same agencies are also doing a role leading global or pan-European programs and yet the UK is kind of in a position where it's kind of become quite disconnected from the rest of of Europe and so I think it's very problematic at the way things the industry has set up and and I think what's kind of exciting about having a more remote model which allows you to tap into build teams that kind of exist in a more distributed way is that there's the real opportunity to be more connected with what society is really thinking, you know, in different parts of the world, you know, so whether that means in the UK kind of having a team that's distribute that's drawn from a population based across the whole country, or whether that's on a European level, having people working across multiple countries, I think there's a real opportunity for the communications industry to be, much more connected and kind of tied in with what people are thinking and Mm. at the moment I'd say that's kind of really the opposite is true Mm. and um, kind of it's almost like we're selling a very fake product you know if if actually we're advising clients based upon this really narrow two kilometer perspective of people you know it's kind of we're selling fake advice, you know? Mm. And so, um, yeah, that, that's why I think it's kind of exciting and people need to look beyond the kind of more remedial stuff about how do you make remote working work and need to kind of like embrace the opportunity that it presents. And not just location, you know, a mixture of um, different types of people, different totally. types of education. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that all opens up when we start to look further afield absolutely. than Shoreditch yeah. and Soho. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, kind of interestingly, I think that if you take location out of the equation, then 
it kind of does quite naturally open up a much more diverse pool, you know, mm. because you're, because the kind of the people that can afford to live in London or that can afford to kind of commute into London, taking the UK as an example, it's kind of, it's not, not everyone can do it, you know, particularly when you start kind of wanting to raise a family or something like that. I mean, I kind of over the time, in the, over the relatively short time that Taito has been going, I've kind of interviewed people that have had to commute to two and a half hours to work each day in order to get the salary that, that, that you know, to or, or in order to kind of have a great job and then kind of then being able to kind of balance that with their home life and kind of being able to afford a house and get our, their kids, you know, to attend good schools and things. They've kind of had to make these incredible sacrifices. So kind of, I think that if you take location out of the equation, it allows you to recruit from a much more diverse pool of people. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we are using the UK as an example, but it, it relates to, to all of the major cities. It's exactly the same with the outskirts of New York or Chicago or, totally. you know, it's Sydney, et cetera, et cetera. It's exactly the same. So you've mentioned five countries that you've mm. got staff in. How have you hired for the people that work across those five countries? Are they one yeah. particular skill set per country or mm. is it a mixture? How? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the makeup of the team? Well, I mean, I think we set out from day one to um, like have this pan-European capability. And obviously you don't kind of just switch that on overnight, you know, because, um, you know, I did invest quite a lot of my money in creating Taito. And it was kind of a bit of taking a bit of a risk. But um, to start with, we focused on having an employed team in the UK. And then we kind of worked with kind of consultants and freelancers and things in other markets. And then over time, we've transitioned from a, a, a team of sort of freelancers to a fully employed team. And as part of kind of thinking about the types of people that we, we want, we saw a real opportunity to, um, because of our model, it proved very attractive for senior people that um, had kind of made a decision to move out of London or out of central areas kind of to provide better opportunities for their families and things. So kind of we've we've kind of tended to focus heavily on senior communications professionals who actually enjoy the work, enjoy the work and want to be practitioners, not just managers, you know, because I think in a lot of like the traditional agency setup. People get to kind of five, seven years experience and they get very, they get kind of pushed down a management route. Whereas I think there's a lot of people that actually like being um, great operators. We kind of really tried to focus on that kind of talent. And then this operating model that we call PR Without Borders kind of has a double meaning. So one is the geographic element, but the other thing is that we try to think about communications challenges in a borderless way from a discipline perspective. So what that means is that we have a we have a, a kind of a group of people that we classify as general practitioners, a bit like GPs in in kind of the medical profession. They kind of do a bit of everything, and they're very talented. And and then we've on top of that, we've kind of had specialists in other areas. So we've got specialists in content, we've got specialists in media relations, we've got specialists in digital and insight. So a bit of a, a hybrid model, combining people who are kind of general practitioners, but then also people that have specialist skills. And I think one of the things that I kind of witnessed in or seen in my career is that 
if you don't have a bit like imagine if you're someone if you had to kind of prepare a meal if you only have baked beans in the cupboard you know you're going to end up making it's going to be beans or beans on toast you know whereas if you have a variety of kind of things in your cupboard you're more likely to be able to to cook something up which blends different different things and so i think it's similar in a in a pr consultancy if you only have one or two capabilities there that's what you're going to sell so having a breadth of skills is really important i think because it allows you to think about a communications problem in a much broader way and then it allows you to propose campaigns that the are the, the most suitable and will deliver the greatest benefit to your client yeah absolutely i found that when i moved from traditional PR agency which was a while ago so I guess it was more focused on media relations it was either media relations or social media at that time because it was quite a long time ago but when I then went to a digital marketing agency and then we had such a varied set of skills um yeah it just meant that the the campaigns were obviously way more varied something that you mentioned there that I just really resonated was um that sort of linear career path that tends to yeah. be in a traditional agent PR agency model yes. where you are sort of all of a sudden you're probably your peak of your experience is pigeonholed into a management role yeah. um, and not able to do any of the great things that you've <laughs> yeah. just developed all of your experience in. Um, and that does tend to happen with that sort of AE, SAE, AM, SAM, <laughs> yeah. all of those different roles. Do you feel that that, is yeah you're able to break free from that with when you're not in a a location or or an office setup then I guess for us we kind of like saw a real opportunity in terms of being able to hire talent that other people wouldn't touch because they wouldn't commute into the office that was kind of quite that, that that kind of there was a pragmatic thing there I also think there's kind of like there's a quite large group of people that just become quite jaded with the traditional agency model and they actually like doing the work, you know? And so kind of like that, the way that the kind of the traditional agency model is kind of structured is, is it's very much like a pyramid where you have a few senior people and then loads and loads of junior people. And so those senior people are kind of are forced up that pyramid in, and they're kind of pushed further and further away from actual the coalface of doing the work. And in one sense, kind of, you think that makes sense. You know, those junior people at the bottom, they're billable, they're, you know, the cost to the agency is lower, their billable rates are lower, therefore they can kind of deliver more work to the client and so on. I kind of think there's a couple of things. One, I think that we're not, we're, we're in a world where great thinking wins and kind of you need the experience of those kind of more senior people to bring that to the table. Mm. And so, so I think that whilst on the surface, it seems like a really smart idea to kind of have more junior people doing more hours, I don't think that actually that delivers the, the results for clients. And I think it's kind of a false economy because actually having kind of more experienced people working on your account, they can accomplish much more in a short space of time. Mm. Um, and also kind of you know like I mean the br- the brutal reality is that clients are being they're kind of been taken for a bit of a ride because if you look at like the fees that agency charge 
they'll kind of they'll if you I've done did this kind of the calculation if you look at a very junior account executive level within a, a traditional large agency over the course of the year they'll be billing out those individuals for the equivalent of say you know over a hundred thousand pounds but they'll probably be being paid you know you know just over 20 you know so they're kind of like so kind of clients are paying a five-fold multiple for someone mm. So I kind of think that the clients aren't necessarily benefiting from that model model either. And as I say, I just think there's so many people out there who who actually quite rightly love the work associated with communications. And and if we could get them more of them kind of actually engaged in doing going up actually working on briefs as opposed to just managing I think we would do a lot better work yeah some of the skills of why we go into communications you know a lot of that creativity gets lost when you're doing the admin tasks of uh, timesheets yeah yeah (laughs) Um, just one other thing because I kind of like when I I always kind of said that I wanted Taito to be like the Navy SEALs of communications you know like the kind of the SAS of communications and What's great is that when you have a very senior team of people together, then you push each other to an entirely new level. You know, like if you have if you have a group of people, as we do, like where the kind of like average years experience is kind of over 10 years, you're constantly pushing each other to deliver better thinking and better work. Whereas if you kind of have someone which is kind of normal in a traditional agency setup who is leading a team of people and maybe that person leading the team has kind of got seven years experience they're kind of like the the one-eyed person in the land of the blind you know like they're kind of they they are kind of like everyone's looking up to them saying oh gosh you 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 clearly know everything when actually they're probably only just the beginning their 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 development as a expert communications professional so i think that has benefits to clients but I also think being in an environment where you have a lot of senior people kind of really pushes you personally which is just really rewarding. This podcast is brought to you by Coverage Book, the reporting tool that's made by PR people for PR people. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. I like to understand the practicalities of things. So yeah. you said that your clients, um, yeah, the briefs that you receive yeah. are pan-European and these go into multiple countries. What is the, it sounds quite, it sounds boring that I'm asking for the process, yeah. but I want to understand how it works. So you receive the brief. Mm. How does the, especially the insight and creative um, mm. part of the process work? Because often yeah. that is done within a small team yeah, and balls yeah. used and then yeah. they, and then people go into a room together. Well, we used to, yeah, yeah, used to yeah, go into yeah. a room together. Um, yeah. Ideas happen. Um, yeah, and then it's activation. How does that work when mm. everybody is remote and you are yeah. in different locations? I've, I've kind of always suffered from a very low boredom threshold. So in creating Taito, I kind of really forced us and myself to think about how can we do things better, you know? And, and in some ways, some, in some areas, that was kind of obvious. But in some areas, as you kind of hint, that, that kind of raises question marks, you know. So, for instance, and so, you know, so thinking about the creative process, you're right. It, it, on the surface, it kind of presents a bit of a challenge. Like, how do you kind of get a team together? How do you get, like, that energy going to come up with ideas when you're mm. all in different locations? When we've kind of encountered challenges like that, we've really sought out to ways to try and turn 
what on the surface might seem to be a constraint into an advantage. And I would say that our kind of creative process is better than anything I experienced in kind of a traditional environment. And so the way we, and kind of to explain what our process is, we go through what we call a a creative sprint process. And what we do to start with is we kind of really understand what the the challenge is that the um, client is addressing. So we kind of get a very clear brief around that. Then we do some kind of research and then we share that brief and that top level research with a group of five to seven people. And whereas in a, in the kind of like the, I'd say traditional agency approach, you know, an email would have gone around the office and said, Hey guys, you know, having a brainstorm, come to this room. And everyone would have come in there. When you do that, usually what you find is not everyone's read the materials beforehand. And then usually there's one particularly confident individual who will dominate the conversation and you'll get a lot of introverts who kind of won't be contributing. So whereas with our model, what we do is we say, like, get a group of five to seven people and say, right, go away and think about this, you know, for a day or two. And then we regroup. And in advance of regrouping, we ask everyone to put capture on one sheet of paper what their kind of creative idea is or their strategy is for addressing this challenge. And we share it in a, uh, a channel in our kind of like internal messaging platform. And then everyone comes together and they talk through their idea. We vote on them, we pick the best one, and then we look to prototype them. What that process does is it, it allows for the fact that different people think in different ways, you know? And some people might thrive in an environment where they're like under pressure, but but often people need time to think about things and reflect on them properly. Mm. And, and the other thing is that in that kind of pressure cooker situation where you've got people firing out different ideas, what you tend to find out is that the that, that kind of the conversation gets dominated by one or two in, like loud individuals. Whereas in our process, everyone turns up Everyone's put their idea on paper. Everyone has the opportunity to explain it. And so you end up with a much more diverse perspective, especially since we do it, we get a group of people from, you know, across multiple places in in Europe. So actually we've kind of, through that process, we found that we can deliver a better outcome than we could have delivered within a traditional environment because A, because we're allowed to draw on perspectives from further afield, and two, because we've created a structure which allows us to unearth those ideas from our people in a better way than, say, a traditional brainstorm. I love that, that you are accommodating for all all personality types, whether people are extrovert or introvert, because not all PR people are extroverts. No. <laughs> and so, yeah, and um, I, I love that. So again, on the practicality side of things, what are the tools that you use for those processes? What we've done in terms of for that sprint methodology is it's very much based around the idea of go away and put on a single sheet of paper or you can do it in a slide or whatever, your idea. And then we kind of talk around that idea so that we're, we're, ten, we're not tending to kind of do that much kind of like live brainstorming in the meeting. We're kind of like people have done the thinking beforehand, they present their idea and then maybe a smaller group will go away and kind of like analyze the ideas and think about which are the strongest. And yeah, we, do, we use video for those kind of sessions. 
Um, and we use we use kind of like an internal messaging platform for all of our communications across the agency. And, and because I think when you're working remotely, you need to do a lot of things and more things in writing because so that everyone sees them. You kind of like need to be highly transparent with everything. But it's interesting you mentioned about the um, like new tools and things, because I think one of the areas that we're quite excited about is um, VR. We have just issued every single one of our employees with the new Oculus Rift 2 headsets. Okay. Um, it's going to be part of an initiative that we're calling Taito Labs, and we're going to be kind of experimenting with VR and thinking about how that could potentially offer new opportunities for the way that we work internally, but also how we collaborate with clients. And it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of, it's kind of exciting. What does that mean that it will happen? Does it mean that you well, could I mean, potentially all be in a room together? Well, yeah, you know, there's a Virtually. there's a there's, um, there's a, a platform called Spatial, which is an an app that you can use on the Oculus. You kind of like take your photo, you get an avatar, you go into the meeting, in, into the you know, and for instance, there's like a, one of the there's different rooms and things you can go into. One of them is like an auditorium type type of setup. And you could have your whole company in there. You could be standing there. You could be doing a presentation to everyone. You know, there's like whiteboards. You could be writing on whiteboards. If you need to bring in some like video into the room, you can play a video in the room. So you can kind of create an entirely virtual um, experience akin to being in a meeting with people. I think that's kind of really exciting and we're we're keen to get ahead of it. So as I say, literally, we've kind of um, shipped out a very... um, a large number of Oculus Rift 2s to all of our employees um, this December. A small investment since you go into the next yeah, year. <laughs> I, mean, um, I think it's, um, I was actually inspired by one of our clients actually that did it. And um, I think you've got to, I think that you've got to kind of dive in. You've got yeah. to kind of, you know, you've got to kind of um, invest in technology and, and you know, because I think that's the key to making these things work. Yeah, that sounds great. And actually, I my next question was when we were talking about how your team share back their creatives. Something that I noticed when, especially when I was um, living in different, in different countries to the rest of my team, and the rest of my team were all still working together in the same office. It was just me that was remote, which is interesting that you said earlier that when everybody's remote, you don't get that feeling and it's not a great feeling. And, but something that I noticed was that lack of, um, we really miss the creative serendipity that can happen when you're just walking past somebody's desk or you go out to lunch together. And I think that I've spoken to quite a few people in PR this year obviously and I feel like that is one of the biggest things that everybody Mm. has missed Mm. it feels like with the VR that could Mm. maybe solve some of those problems do you feel like because we've um with one of our teams we actually had zoom open most of the day so we're yes. almost just and carry on That's working. Cool. So we are yeah. just almost like sat next to each other, which yeah, seems yeah. strange, but it feels it did feel like it helped some of that yeah. you know, relaxed conversation. So it wasn't always an organized Zoom yeah. call and pressured meeting. It can just be a really, you know, that kind of relaxed office chat yeah. that we were missing. Yeah. Do you feel like this maybe the VR could help with that? Maybe, yeah. No, I think it probably could. I mean, when when we kind of like originally set the company up, people kind of had this kind of idea that we kind of like were all locked up in offices at home and we never kind of got out. But actually, 
you know, my team would spend, you know, a couple days in a city, depending on what part of the world they're in, every week. You know, we would kind of, it was all about traveling with a purpose, you know, like, so not just kind of turning up to an office for the sake of it, but traveling with a purpose. Because I think, you know, like, uh, despite being a remote location agnostic agency, the idea that kind of you can, that it's an optimum situation that you never meet your colleagues is something that I completely, you know, don't, you know, disagree with, you know. And um, one of the reasons why we've been able to kind of, I would say, cope well in this kind of very difficult year is that most of our our team had kind of spent a lot of time together previously you know so we would spend a couple days in the city each week going to client meetings going to new business meetings meeting you know journalists and so forth Um, and then throughout the year we would do these things called hack days or hack weeks where we would get together as a team like for instance, you know, we we you know we got together in Spain a few times, got together in Portugal, London, and we'd get it. We'd kind of all we'd kind of hire an office for the week, and we'd all work from the same location. So we'd get like people from all across Europe into one place. We'd spend a lot of time socialising. We'd spend a lot of time kind of like collaborating together. I think you have to do that. You know, like mm-hmm. I think people we kind of like as human beings, like we kind of crave that human contact. And I think, um, you know, it does t- deliver a different dimension that doesn't come, that can't come from pure remote work. It is difficult, you know, if you're operating remotely. So, yeah, I do think to your point, though, one area that I think people will find problematic is there's been a lot of talk about having like hybrid models where you have some people in the office and some people from working from home. I think that that's kind of quite difficult to to make work for the reason that you just mentioned. I think that if you're the kind of on the outside, then I think there's kind of quite a lot of insecurity that comes with that, which is kind of quite stressful. Yeah. And then for the people on the inside, it creates a huge burden of responsibility on them to kind of have to communicate in such a way that other people hear stuff. And it doesn't matter how good you are at that. It's very hard. You often find that you'll you'll forget to communicate things. And then you get the frustration about, oh, look, you know, uh, frustration around it. So I really like our totally remote model or location agnostic model and then coming together as a team with a purpose when, when it makes sense, either as a, an entire team, kind of like for kind of team building kind of things, or to meet a client or meet a prospective client. It's so true about the um, challenge with some people being in the office and some people not. When people do all come together in normal times, uh, I loved that you mentioned that you have hack weeks. We've done something similar because we have in our coverage book and answer the public team, as you've probably guessed, very different skill sets. I'm not a developer, but we do have developers. Uh, we have all sorts of different types of skill sets and we have work on quite separate things. And so we do end up working quite separately sometimes. But when we have um, all come together for a hack week before, we've all sat together and all just worked together. And it's amazing the production levels that can happen with that and then having some social around it. Um, and when you just sort of remove those 
I think why they there's lots of reasons why they they do work so well but I remember when being in a normal agency setup going into the office and so many meetings having to be put in just for operations just operation meetings which take up so much time and I know that when I've talked about hack weeks to some people that like, we could never put a whole five days dedicated to one project it's like you can if you remove all of the operational yeah, meetings totally the really interesting thing with the whole office thing is that when I was um, when I was a, a a younger man and I I actually kind of got my first job as the MD of an office. I remember, like the founders of the company that I was working for, used to walk would walk me around the office and they would kind of point to the dust on the skirting board. They would literally put their finger down and run their finger over the skirting board and show me the dust. And so part of my job as the MD was to make sure that the kind of the office manager receptionist was also putting pressure on the cleaner to make sure the skirting board <laughs> you know, wasn't exactly core business. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think part of the problem with managing an office or a, or a portfolio of offices, if you're everywhere, is that it's not core business, you know? So kind of what I like about our model is we'll go like we'll use co-working spaces or there's a great service in London called Breather where you can rent these amazing offices for an hour or a day or you know we'll go to you know a different European city and we'll you know rent some space in a co-working space just for a week and we're using these great facilities but we don't have to worry about them you know like we just worry about what we're doing you know like our work at the work for our clients and I kind of just don't think, I just don't think managing offices is core business. You know, like it doesn't, doesn't need to be. I know that our founder, Gary, will be um, listening to this and chuckling because there's an ongoing joke that um, one of his main roles as founder of Coverage Book and Answer the Public, which are global software businesses, is that he has to fix our printer <laughs> and water the plants. So the main roles for him. Yeah. <laughs> Does do other things, but oh there is God, labor. Yeah, no, there is so much <laughs> trivial. <laughs> he keeps those plants that. nice and watered, though. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. We've talked for a long time. I could carry on speaking to you about this. It's uh, for a lot for much longer because it's just so relevant and um, lots that's resonating with me because I have lived in different locations and it's interesting just to see how everybody's going to be changing the way that they're working moving into next year but what would you say to other PR agencies and we we, I think we briefly mentioned this um, right now at the time we are we have heard that a couple of PR agencies are closing their offices so they will be looking at some of these things for the first time is there sort of like one piece of advice that you would give as particularly a PR agency because I know that I've talked about mm. some of my experiences but I work in a very yeah to a comms agency I mean I think some people could be drawn to it because they think it's kind of like a way to save money we probably spent the same amount but not in these current situations because we can't travel but what we saved on an office, we actually kind of paid on travel, you know, and these hack weeks and things like that. So for us, not having an office was kind of like enabling a different way of working and enabling a different business model. It wasn't about saving money. And I would say for the people that are kind of pursuing it as a way to save money, I'd say, yeah, I would say that's kind of a mistake. But whatever money they do save on not having an office, they kind of need to make equivalent investment in quality time together as a team you know mm. we would do all of our training together in person you know we would you know have these hack weeks as I mentioned we do a lot of social activities we knew that 
having a very close culture and uh, a close sense of team was critical to enable a remote model. You know, so I think you do need to spend quality time together. And so that would be my kind of big bit of advice for people that are thinking about shutting offices. The, my, that's kind of more pragmatic stuff. I think in terms of the more strategic side of things, I think it is really thinking about what new possibilities and new avenues might this open up? You know, like, are, is there the opportunity to create a different kind of agency, a different kind of model enabled by not having the constraint of an office? I think that's kind of the, they're probably the two things. One, not losing sight of the importance of time together and secondly, kind of thinking of what the, what the kind of bigger picture opportunities might be. Mm, love that. I hope that um, maybe sometime in 2021, we can be invited to a Taito virtual reality event to learn more about this. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, no, would, I, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm completely um, very curious about what will come out of our kind of uh, um, experiment with VR and yeah, really looking forward to it. And can't predict what will come out of it either no I'm looking forward to seeing Brendan thank you so much for your time today it's been really really helpful and uh, I shall speak soon thank you thank you take care this is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.